BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah, hosting is a lot easier than you might think, and you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking a credit win for renters, fake free filing, and garbage furniture. Yeah, buddy, we'll get to free filing fairy tales a little bit later on during this episode. Okay, Tinkerbell. Uh, this is our Friday <laughs> flight. We're going to talk about the most interesting stories that we've come across this week. That was your high school nickname, wasn't it? Tinkerbell. Yeah. You, wanna, you actually want to know what my senior shirt said on the back of it? Yeah. Sandwich. Oh, okay. That was that was your nickname. <laughs> Literally, I didn't have a nickname in, college, uh, in high school. And so uh, when the sign-up sheet came around and you had to write something down, I was like, well, I like sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> I love lamp. People loved it, though. But uh, yeah, this, uh, what were we talking about? Friday flight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we hope everyone's having a, a beautiful week. I feel like we're having a, a pretty great week here, in part because we booked some vacation, some travel earlier it's this always week, exciting. man. Yeah. yeah, we are looking forward to spending uh, about like five days or so, short little getaway. The Dominican. On the, on the beaches of the, the Dominican Republic. It's going to be nice. To celebrate I'm looking forward to it, man. My 40th birthday, Emily's, Emily's 40th, 40th birthday, so it's going to be a good time. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be one of those all-inclusive places. Yeah. Have you, you've never actually been. To never done one before. Kate and I haven't been, I think, basically since our honeymoon. So, Dude. I'm really looking forward to it. It's, uh, it's going to be great. You make fun of me for this, but it has a pool in it. <laughs> and you're like, dude, it's this tiny thing. It's no big deal. But for me, this sounds pretty incredible. It's It sounds like something I should not be able to enjoy. I think, but I think you're fooled by the perspective. I'm, like, I'm not Richard Branson. Who gets to do this? <laughs> the perspective photography. Yeah. We'll report back on the, yeah. <laughs> on the size of the pool. It's probably literally I, like one of those cold plunges. And Kate that's and I opted for the cheapest room that you could get, but still with the 
but nicer food. Yeah. That way we can enjoy some dinners with y'all, sure. of course. No. Right, on the note of travel, can I just mention something? Yeah. Our, our friends over at Going, which used to be Scott's Cheap, Scott's Cheap Flights. Oh, I thought you were going to mention that we almost booked this on Costco Travel. Oh, we did almost book it, like, yeah. We were a, like a whiskers with the way of going. Because there's some awesome deals over there, but eh, in the end, it's, we decided to... There's a good deal over at the website where we booked this Yeah. As well. It's funny, as a Costco lover, It's I don't think about Costco Travel as much as I should. It's one of the benefits of yeah. being a Costco member is... And it sounds... I don't know. It sounds kind of old and lame that, oh, Costco Travel, uh, <laughs> they got these packages, but they're really great. Yeah. And we would highly recommend Especially checking that out. If that's your jam, the all-inclusive or the cruise, like they do. Or they just like, do good like on some that. nicer hotels at, yeah. a, at a nice, uh, like Hawaii. a nice little island to, yeah. uh, to, to get away to. But yeah, in addition to that, though, you're talking about going. Yeah. So, okay. It's called Going. Used to be called Scotch Cheap Flights. I liked the former name, but they didn't ask me. Uh, but they are reducing the value of their free membership. I have been a free member of Scotch Cheap Flights for a long time, and I'm trying to decide whether or not I'm going to pay for it. Uh, I think I probably will at some point in time because when I start to travel more frequently. But uh, Scotch Cheap Flights, sadly, they're they're limiting uh, their free members to domestic deals only, mm-hmm. no international deals. And so I got the last one to, it was like late January, to Spain. I was like, oh, I'm going to miss these <laughs> little notifications <laughs> thinking about trips I'm not actually going to take. Thinking about going abroad, even yeah. though you're not going to. I still think, though, um, I think they're doing like 50% off for the first year for people who do upgrade. It's a great value if you still know that you're going to travel internationally. Yeah. But just a word of the wise for those of you who have those free emails set up through going, well, they're not going to be nearly as good of emails moving forward unless you want to go to Vegas, California, wherever New York. I mean, that kind of stuff. You're, just, you're not going to get those sweet japan deals anymore exactly uh, as a freebie or the uh what was it the uh the mistake fairs is right. what was one of the features of their premium membership as but well when you, when you think about it if you do travel even just once a year and you let the deal dictate where you go 24 bucks it's nothing it, it's nothing <laughs> it truly is nothing yeah. if, as long as you know you're going to travel at some point that year it could totally be worth it in addition to checking out Costco promise not not trying to sell <laughs> their product for them but just no, just saying yeah. it's a good deal and I, scott knows what he's doing we love we love scott yeah that's i guess that's the other disclosure we like the name Scott's Cheap Flights because we've had we had Scott on the actual show yeah. and he was a, a blast to talk to. But, yeah. uh, so I guess that'll be our that's our first official story for today's Friday <laughs> flight. Our next let's talk about credit score. Uh, I'm, I'm hesitant to say hacks, but yeah, well, let's get into it. We've talked about it's an overused word. <laughs> it is. Uh, Come we, on, sandwich. We, we've discussed. <laughs> the, don't do that. The <laughs> the, uh, the financial flexibility that renting can provide you. Uh, that's even more true these days, given that rent increases have mellowed out and home prices and mortgage rates are still high across most of the country. But there is one disadvantage that renters have versus their homeowning peers. Or there's, I guess, multiple <laughs> multiple disadvantages, but certainly one is the ability for their on-time monthly payments to help them to build a credit score. That being said, Technology is here to save the day and to help responsible tenants see that credit score soar. Uh, And I think part of the difficulty until now has just been with mom and pop landlords, individuals who have maybe like a handful of rentals and the ability to basically systematize millions of folks like us out there who yeah. who don't we're not tapped into some like larger network per se and you know this is sort of been a, a difficult problem to solve both from a landlord's perspective where you're trying to have some degree of accountability of a tenant who's just like man i know this guy's <laughs> not reporting anything to the credit bureaus. what you gonna do keep my security deposit <laughs> okay uh which is why it's a great idea to right. sometimes ask for a larger security deposit if it's a potential tenant 
who does have a rougher financial history, yeah. but also from the perspective of the renter, from, of the tenant, it's like, oh, dang, this is a, an, an amazing way to report installment loans, which is one of the key factors that play into that credit mix uh, that plays into your uh, developing and growing your credit score. That's right. Okay, so you mentioned that technology is here to provide a solution. And there have been other technological solutions, Matt, in recent years, but those haven't been flawless, right? There have been third-party sites that would allow for this, but that typically meant that the tenant had to ask their landlord to sign up for this service, and it was a lot of landlords were like, oh, I don't know about this. Well, uh, that means until now, less than 5% of tenants have had their rent payments being reported to the credit bureaus, helping their credit score rise, right? Like you're saying. So most of them just haven't had access. Well, Zillow just entered the chat. And Zillow, (laughs) uh, they could massively increase, I think, that 5% number in short order because of the market share that they have and that they continue to gain. Basically, tenants who already pay their rent via their renter's payment dashboard on Zillow can enable this reporting. And new renters will simply be asked if they want to opt in when they enroll. And Matt, you and I use Zillow to, to list our properties it's I the, would totally. It's the best. I would totally use them to manage <laughs> yeah. payments too, and to accept payments from from tenants, which I have not done. I I haven't either. I need to look into that. I don't. Know but especially it. now, if my tenants like want to get that credit reporting boost, I'm all for it. Right. So, I'd be willing to do that. It's specifically because Zillow is it's a recognized name. They've yeah. got market share and, and and the ability for us to also streamline what it is that we do. We, we're already uh, using Zillow when it comes to listing the property. So why not when why it comes to re- collecting rent? Do it all in one place. Yep. And sadly, Zillow though only reports to Experian for the time being, although they have said they aim to change that in, in the future and report to all three of the major credit bureaus. So this is not a silver bullet, but it's still uh, good news if you're a renter. And it's worth asking your landlord about payment methods you can use that will help you build your credit, especially if you're a renter who wants to buy a home in the near future. That credit score super important. And this could really help you give you a 20, 30 point boost over the coming six months to a year. Yes. It only helps your credit score. That's the other part of it, too, is that Zillow is only reporting payments that are made that are on time. So if you've got a late payment, guess what? You're totally in the clear, which Again, doesn't help the landlord as far as the accountability and, and making sure that they pay That's on time. Funny. I thought I saw something about 30 days, that there was a 30-day grace period, and it wasn't considered late until it was beyond that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, I'm sorry. What you're saying is that uh, at some point, they do report the negative. I thought it was 30 no, no, days. No, only the positive, oh. uh, positive movements. And the 30 days has to do with what is considered on time. So yeah. as long as you make a payment within those 30 days, it is still considered on time, which is lenient as all get out. So basically no downside. <laughs> yes, in my opinion. So if you are a renter and you're looking to boost your credit score, I would yeah highly recommend checking right. that out. Let's keep talking about housing for a second. And we promise not to get political here. We try to avoid that at all costs on the show, but we'll just use a political comment to try to make a point. Elizabeth Warren, Senator, she made some comments this week, and she basically said she wants the head of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, to reduce rates because she believes that it will make housing cheaper. And so, Matt, I just thought it was worth asking the question, is that true? Would reducing rates, which the Federal Reserve said, oh, yeah, we might do that in March, and now they're saying, ah, maybe not actually quite that soon, would that earlier reduction actually help grease the gears of the housing market and bring costs down for everybody? Granted, <laughs> buying a home is essentially off limits to tens of millions of folks right now because of insanely high prices. So I get the concern. I get what she's trying to achieve. Yeah. However. But yeah, part of the problem, <laughs> though, that we are in is because of what's happened with interest rates. There's obviously a big reason rates had to go up. Inflation, the main one. Has that problem been solved? I think we're getting closer, but we might not have fully landed the plane yet. So should the Fed listen and cut rates in an attempt to increase housing affordability for buyers who have been sidelined because of sky-high rates? 
I guess, Matt, like what it boils down to is I think it might not have the impact that Elizabeth Warren's hoping for. It makes me think of uh, the Princess Bride quote where he's like, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> yeah. And so in this way, I do not think lower rates are going to lead to what you think lower rates right. are going to lead to. Yeah. Uh, and that's often, I think, because we still have a supply problem within the housing market. And if we see mortgage rates, if they go from you know just north of 6.5% and they just drops a full point down to 5.5% tomorrow, well, yeah, that'll increase supply a little bit. It'll also increase demand a lot potentially sparking a feeding frenzy like we saw uh, a couple a couple springs ago, which in turn is going to push housing prices up even higher than they are now. Now, home builders, they seem to be doing their best to increase the supply of new homes. That's good news. But we're still millions of units short after the building industry was decimated during the, the Great Recession. So we're talking about lower lower rates, basically firing up demand. Obviously, bar, you know, borrowing costs are a big factor into that. But there's also just the stage of life factors as well. And we still have an entire generation of millennials who are in like prime home buying phase of their life, basically. Yeah. Like millennials want homes and it's a massive subset as well. There are way more millennials than, are, than there were Gen Xers, than there are Gen Xers, than there were boomers, not combined, but just as in, individually. Yeah. And so there's just a need for housing. And not only are all these millennials looking to buy a house, but some who have purchased a home, they're looking to buy a slightly larger home now because guess what? They're having kids. I guess I, I'm saying all that because I don't expect to see housing. They're not going to continue to like skyrocket. No. But man, they are. There's no way that home prices are coming down. In a significant way. And, exactly. And yeah. by lowering rates, and, it's and, only going to drive rates up or home prices up even faster, in my opinion. And actually, prices are going down in some parts of the country. It's just not on average across the whole United States of America. We don't expect to see prices go down in a meaningful way as rates come down. And actually, in some parts of the country, it might... Uh, create a firestorm again in the housing market, causing I, I just don't see how prices it, to rise really quickly. I don't see how it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And, and one of the things, too, Jerome Powell was kind of asked about this this week, and he basically said, the housing market isn't really our purview. <laughs> We're all about curbing inflation and, and maintaining solid employment numbers. And so that's kind of the Fed's dual mandate and what happens in the housing market. It's not like they're trying to crush the housing market or trying to make it ridiculously expensive to buy a house. It's just not really their job. The other part of of this as well is like like we're in 2024. It's an election year and not to be overly cynical, but I think we're going to hear a lot of things coming from uh, our elected officials on both sides of the aisle. Or want to be elected officials. (laughs) Making massive promises, signaling... Dude, it, it just feels like so much theater and the ability to get in front of a voting base and saying the right things in order to appeal for those votes. Yeah. That's, I don't know, that's, that's all I'm going to say there. Okay. And, no. it, and it happens, I think, on both sides. Yeah, obviously. no, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Most of the politicians just annoy me. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about taxes, Matt. Tax filing season has begun. I know you're you're thrilled. I know oh, yeah. our listeners are thrilled to get I, the paperwork started. I actually, I, I know you're actually. Probably I, I actually kind of do like. You're probably like the two percent of people who's like, woohoo, yeah, this is fun. Uh, well, there is some news that we need to get to on the tax filing front. A couple things actually. TurboTax, for one, is no longer able to advertise their products as free, according to a new ruling from the FTC. Why? Well, because those free products that they were supposedly offering weren't actually free for the majority of people. Apparently. Two-thirds of folks who thought they were going to be able to file their taxes for free by getting this free TurboTax uh, software didn't qualify for the free product, 
And, you know, at that point, they were so far down the tax filing rabbit hole that they just paid TurboTax in a very kind of blackmail style affair. TurboTax mm-hmm. says, tax says, oh, yeah, you thought you had the free. Well, um, in the fine print, in the terms of service, you didn't actually quite qualify because actually you had some income from a gig job that you had. Or, oh, you didn't tell us about that investment property. Up front. They, that, yeah, this is going to cost you money now. Um, and so TurboTax, they are appealing because they disagree yeah. <laughs> with the FTC ruling. But it's it's probably worth pointing out that there are truly free ways to file your taxes, even if TurboTax isn't going to be one of them for most yeah. folks. I forget what uh, where that story was, but they had a quote in there from Turbo or from Intuit, the the, the parent company of TurboTax, and they're like throwing serious shade at the FTC. They're yeah. like. Oh, yeah? Well, you suck, too. <laughs> uh, so childish. Uh, but we, the, we've thrown some shade at the FTC, sure. too, this year. So, yeah. um, But I will say, uh, TurboTax it's, it's, deserves it's, its fair share of shade, too. There's a valid point that uh, TurboTax or Intuit is making. I, I certainly get that. But uh, bottom line, though, I'll say that the offering uh, from the IRS that they have concocted, uh, so it's available for the first time this year. It's only available, though, to folks in 12 states. Uh, it's called Direct File, um, and the you know, there's maybe some issues with it. There's been some early reviews. They're not stellar, uh, as it seems to only be able to handle basic returns. And so that's not a a great free option. Again, I'm not like an anarchist or anything, but I'm not expecting anything that the government's going to develop to be like this amazing piece of software that everyone's yeah. going to... It's it's a joy to use. It's not like shopping at Publix. Well, again, it's <laughs> it's free, but it really only covers some of the most basic returns, which leaves a, a whole lot of people left in the lurch. There's a mass, There's an income cap as well. To, not to mention the people in 38 other states. Yes, exactly. And so that being said, you still have the option of cash app taxes. This still takes top billing, in our opinion. It is 100% free for both federal and state filings, and it offers help to a just much bigger swath of folks who have different levels of tax complexity as well. And so we wanted to mention that because it is worth checking out. And also, if you're one of the folks who has more of a complex tax situation, it might definitely be worth it to hire a pro because like this is one of those instances where you might be uh, cheap rather than frugal by yeah. not going with a tax professional if average, you have a more complicated tax return. We'll say the average cost to hire a tax pro in this country is like two hundred twenty bucks. Well, that's, that, sounds, tax, that sounds so affordable. It does. Yes. And <laughs> the average tax pro is probably going to be able to save you more than that by knowing kind of some of the easily. Yeah, some of the tax codes, yeah. the the ways that you can, the ways that you might qualify for a potential deduction that you didn't know about, something like that. Mm-hmm. They're kind of up to snuff on these things, whereas. Uh, you and I, Matt, we aren't. We trust the pros on that front. And one other just kind of good option, when you mentioned cash app taxes. I love that one. Well, uh, free, free Tax USA, that's another solid one. It's uh, $0 to file federally, 15 bucks, no matter what state you're in. And we, just, we have a new article actually up on the site that we'll link to about when it makes sense to hire a tax professional I- instead of going with these, these cheaper or free filing services. So we'll link to that in the show notes. That's right. And by the way, I'm sure that very few How to Money listeners actually mail their tax return in, but just remember that going analog, printing it out, maybe even doing it by typewriter if that's, <laughs> if that's your jam, is going to slow the process down significantly. And especially if you are owed a meaningful refund, we would recommend for everyone out there to make sure that they are e-filing. That's Snail mail I, is a no-go. I think that's the boat that we might be falling into this year because last year we ended up owing a ton. And I think we, I may have overcompensated this 
past year <laughs> and and uh, made what is it the quarterly deposits uh, in excess of what we're actually having to owe. So I'm actually. I really am kind of chomping up a bit <laughs> to get my return file. Well, you got a refund coming. It makes me a little more excited. Yeah, right? yeah. So, and we should at some point maybe soon talk about how to handle a refund. The average refund being more than three grand for Americans. So we'll we'll talk about that too. Um, maybe in a couple of weeks. Sure. But all right, let's. Uh, we got more to get to, Matt, including more bad news for people who work from home. I think we kind of pulled the rug out from under you last week, and well, sadly, we're going to do it again. Yeah. No good news. Nope. On we'll that front. Uh, we'll get to that and more right after this. I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about. Getting your books together with uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of. But it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000. 25 and 1. That's right. Yeah, 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Hey, folks, it's Matt. I've got to tell you about something new I've been trying this year. I've been drinking a little Health Aid kombucha every day, and I feel amazing. It comes in so many delicious flavors, but my favorites so far are Pink Lady Apple and Ginger Lemon. So what exactly is Health Aid kombucha? Well, it is a fermented, bubbly, probiotic tea that's good for your gut. It's blended with real fruit juice, and it's super thirst-quenching, a little sweet and a little tangy, and very refreshing. I'm sure you've heard about the importance of gut health and supporting uh, your overall health. It's something I've read up on a good bit over the past year, which is why I've made Health Aid Kombucha a part of my everyday routine. Literally every afternoon, I'll have some. It's super easy, and it's affordable, too. My favorite grocery store, Aldi, they carry it as well. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. 
are back from the break, and let's now get to the ludicrous headline of the week. You remember back in the day, we're trying to get uh, Elon Musk to sponsor yeah. the ludicrous headline because Still. of ludicrous mode on. <laughs> well, I hear he doesn't have nearly as much money as he used to, Matt. He doesn't so. after Delaware. Well, they're what are they? They're appealing that decision, mm-hmm. evidently his compensation package. So anyway, I mean, if I lost fifty-six billion from my wallet, I, I wouldn't sponsor us either. I would be appealing <laughs> as well. Okay, this week's article is from the Journal, and the headline read. Your new $3,000 couch might be garbage in three years. This is why. <laughs> and you know, the basic suggestion in this article is that fast fashion, it's actually uh, sort of leapt out of its industry and it's made its way over to furniture. And apparently they just don't make them like they used to. They don't, they don't make those armchairs like they used to, Joel, <laughs> those futons. And one of the culprits is the dozens of online furniture sellers. Mm-hmm. They're not all created equal. And many of them actually use just shoddy techniques that cause their products to to not last very long. They end up either like fraying, they discolor, get all misshapen after you sit on sit on it a few times. Those adorable little mid-century buttons start popping off, and you're like, <laughs> "What happened?" Sounds like you're speaking from personal experience, Joel. <laughs> Essentially, they just fall apart within months instead of years, or honestly, like even decades, uh, like our parents expected our furniture. Sure my to, grandma to had the same couch like my entire life. So maybe like once every twenty years, you get it recovered. You take <laughs> yeah. it to like a, a local reupholstery place. Yeah. Is, is that reupholster? That's, that's right. Is that what you call somebody who does reupholstery? I believe so. Reupholster. Uh, so there is a person in the. Unless their nickname was Sandwich, and then that's what you'd call them. (laughs) They had a quote, or one of the individuals they profiled, they said that their Big Lots couch, it actually held up better than the one that they ended up buying for for Joybird, which I I took a little personally, because I think we have something for (laughs) for Joybird. And it's, it's, it's holding up all right, but not all online sellers are out there peddling crap. We, we want folks to be careful out there. And Consumer Reports, they've got some rankings of the best, not only in-person retailers, but online retailers as well that you can that you can buy from. Room and Board and Costco, they actually took the top two slots. But simultaneously... Not only do they sell cheap hot dogs, <laughs> but also... Amazing travel packages. Solid furniture. But here's what's so hard about that. And this is one of the issues with online retail, and especially something like someone like Costco, is that like there isn't... A Costco furniture warehouse up in Amish country where there are craftsmen making the most beautiful furniture. A lot of times these different retailers are sourcing their goods from different manufacturers. And so, like, you just have to really dig in. Yeah. You, you, like, you have to put the work in to figure out if the item that you are looking at buying, if it's getting good reviews. And you also need to know, I think one of the reasons Costco rated so highly is because of their return policy. Agreed. Because when you don't know whether something that you're going to order is, is going to be solid or not, you need to be able to send that thing back or to take that thing back in person. Uh, so I think that's just uh, one of the many steps that you can take in order to combat some of the cheaper furniture that's being sold online. Yeah, I think know the know the return policy, know the warranty, and know the brand and the reviews of that brand. Wirecutter is another great place to turn. They recommend Article as one of the top space uh, spots for ordering furniture online. And okay. I've, I've got an Article couch. It's yeah. been great. You, yeah. you still digging it? Mm-hmm. I said Joybird. We don't. It wasn't Joy. It was uh, Polly and Bark. That's right. I didn't think you had Joybird. No. Yeah. yeah. Which, but but again, it's like how much better or worse is it? They're all they're, they're all kind of the same. I think they they a lot of their stuff looks similar. So it does. Uh, yeah. The, I think that's again why the pol- return policy and the warranty are worth looking at. And also, yeah, this might sound crazy. Look to Facebook Marketplace because yes, maybe something that's I used, baby. eight or ten years old reminds me of my uh, grandpa shirts that I owned that I bought at the thrift store fifteen years ago. They still holding up even better than some of the shirts that, that that you might buy these days 
brand new off the rack. Mm-hmm. Also, furniture has clearly gotten more expensive in recent years, despite how much competition has come into the space. And uh, Matt, there was an article in Barron's that reminded me of what you and I have been saying throughout this period of higher than normal inflation. And that's that you and I and all of our listeners, we have more power to combat high prices than we think. Yes. We usually think we're sitting ducks. We just have to grin and bear it, take it on the chin. Well, uh, grocery stores, this article in Barron's highlights, are feeling the heat from each other. It's a highly competitive industry. The margins are razor thin uh, when it comes to to grocery store chains. It's not like they're making money hand over fist, like uh, maybe in, in certain other industries, including like certain tech companies. And prices are starting to level out because consumers are changing their buying habits. So our ability to hold off on a purchase, to wait yes. for a sale, or to like ask for a discount, all those things have a major impact on the personal rate of inflation that we experience. And so uh, just it's good to see inflation chilling out. It's, it's, it's leveling out at the grocery store too. And you know what? The more we can change what we're spending on, the more actually it's going to have an impact. I know it's a drop in the bucket overall, the overall rate of inflation, but that drop in the bucket matters for you. And it does actually contribute to how retailers are able to price things overall. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I, th- I think what you said too, just about changing your, your behavior and just holding off and just asking yourself, do I really need this thing? We oftentimes get our needs con- confused with our wants. And it make, makes me think about how Kate and I, we've kind of, towards the end of last year, we started shopping around a little bit, looking around and to see, okay, at some point next year in 2024, we probably are going to need a second vehicle. But there's just a big difference between something we actually need versus something we think that we need. And what what I realized, I saw myself kind of going down the slippery slope. And I've almost already mentally and emotionally purchased this vehicle. The Bugatti, right? That you had your eyes on? Actually, it's just a a few-year-old Toyota RAV4 hybrid, baby. Like, I could picture it in my driveway. I'm like, oh, man, it would be so much fun to have my own ride. I haven't had my own car in, like, 15 years, (laughs) (laughs) which is crazy i'm sure to most of our most of the our listeners out there who are listening to this a vehicle is certainly more of a requirement more of a need as opposed to a want but in in our case it it, it hasn't been but again what i'm getting at is like once you start going down that path of shopping and envisioning what your life would be like with something, even though we don't necessarily need it, like we were still moving in that direction yeah. uh, as opposed to just hitting pause and saying to yourself like, and granted, this is an extreme example. Like, again, most people do need a vehicle, but do you need a vehicle that's as nice as the one you're looking at? I yeah. bet you could go with something that's a little more affordable. That would then allow you to pursue some of your your other financial goals. But I think it's just a good thing, in this way at least, to second guess yourself. Yeah. And hold <laughs> off a little bit longer. Yes. It's a like, yep. much smaller example, but we have some folks coming over and we've only got one TV in our house, but we want to put the kids in one room and let them watch something and adults watching something else. And Emily was like, guess we need to buy a new TV. And I was like, actually, pretty sure this is a one-off thing. I could probably borrow one from somebody. So instead of like dropping, I was just going to drop like $176, actually, I know the exact amount, on uh, <laughs> on a smart TV from Walmart. That's the best deal I found. And I was like, that's not a bad price. All right, cool. Not too bad. But, but then I questioned it. And I was like, do I even need to spend that? Like, can I just borrow it for this one day instead of like, we're rarely, if ever, going to use a second TV in a normal week or year. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm just going to borrow one from my folks and then take it back when we're done. Nice. Is that the cheat? I don't, don't want to say cheat move. Do you want to have a TV down there at no. some point anyway? That's the thing. We don't, we're nice. not going to use it really. If, if, if I was like, oh, we'll probably use it once or twice a month, then I would buy it. But right. yeah, I'm like, we're not, so yeah. I'll borrow it. Huh? I like it, man. I'm taking the Katie Wolk Stanley route. The, <laughs> Use it up, borrow it, make do. I forget what's what's Use it up, make it do, or do without. Do without. Yeah, yeah. 
Dude, that's that's the other thing too. I, like, I really love the wearing it out part of it because, like, I don't know. I was just thinking about this. I just switched to a new pen because I just had a pen that ran out of ink like ten minutes ago, and I thought, man, I cannot remember the last time I was using a pen that ran out of ink because oftentimes we just end up throwing things away just because they look kind of shabby, still perfectly good, as yeah. opposed to it being perfectly fine. So we're pushing folks in that yeah. direction of using things up and being happy with what it is that, that you've got. Uh, but that being said, sometimes you do want to buy new stuff, especially teenagers. At least I remember being a teen- teenager and wanting <laughs> new things. There were a lot of wants. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all that being said, if you have been guilty of calling younger generations lazy, you might want to eat those words because evidently kids are working. Uh, teen employment reached a 14-year high this year, which means that high schoolers are not afraid to get a part-time job. And the increase has to do with the abundance of jobs. It has to do with the higher rates of pay that are available to teens right now. Younger workers have seen more dramatic pay raises than any other segment of the population, with wages rising almost 10% year over year. And so I think that's good news in our book, the ability to get a bunch of young workers out there when otherwise maybe they'd just be sitting around watching TV. I don't know. Nintendo <laughs> on switching? On their phones. Yeah. Like, like, we're obviously not calling for the normalization of child labor, but there's just a lot of good that teens can experience on not only the financial, but also the relational front by working just a part-time job. Like even just like five to 15 hours a week. I it, I love that towards the end of the story, they, they highlighted a, a, a teenager and she only works one shift a week. And she points to the fact that she knows that this is going to be, she's not making bank, but it gives her great experience because someday she wants to own her own business. Yeah. And so for her being in the service industry, it's huge. The uh, different lessons that she's learning. Learning on the job, for sure. I love it. And yeah, it's not, maybe the paycheck's not massive, but at least the hourly rate's higher and the experience is invaluable. And uh, Matt, let's, let's talk about jobs a little bit longer. We've talked about how fully remote workers are less likely to get a raise or a promotion But there's more bad news. (laughs) If you work from home full time, you'll often actually be the first to get axed if your company starts downsizing. Mm. Uh, And we hate to be the bearers of bad news, but new stats from this company, Live Data Technologies, find that 10% of fully remote workers were laid off last year compared to 7% of hybrid and full time in office folks. Why the disparity? Well, it might not even be because you're less productive or you're not good at your job. Although I think if you're fantastic at your job and you work from home, your employer is probably not going to lay you off. Um, But it is more of a a human instinct to slash the job of the person you don't have to see every day, like (laughs) face-to-face. Yeah, it it goes to the person that you don't have to look in the eye necessarily because... You're looking at the camera instead of the screen. Yes. (laughs) But like literally, I mean, it makes me think going back to the raise or the promotion thing, like it's obviously not all about the the human connection that we form by being in the office together, but you can't discount that either. Like it has an impact on your compensation and whether or not you even keep the the job to begin with. And unemployment, it is still at record lows. But if the economy does tighten, if layoffs do increase, man, at-home employees, they're going to they're gonna feel it the most. Yeah. And just like you and I talked about with, you have to just think about the trade-offs. And maybe if you work from home full-time and you do think, uh, you know what, I might be the first person on the chopping block. It's a good idea maybe to have more savings, to pad out your savings more than someone who works in the office five days a week and feels like their job is more solid. Um, so just know, it, it's just worth pointing out, yep. hey, if the economy does experience some turbulence, people who work from home might experience more turbulence Be than the warned. Rest. Yeah. yeah. 
so next week we're going to be speaking with a career professional. We're talking about jobs here. We're going to talk about jobs that pay really well, careers that you love. So you can look forward to that episode next Wednesday. For sure. Okay. Uh, one place you might want to consider working, though, Matt, if you're in the market for a new job or if you're looking to get paid more is Walmart. But you didn't think I was going to say that. <laughs> I did, because I know the okay. story you're talking about. <laughs> there was some articles this week highlighting the fact that some Walmart store managers make 400 grand a year. <laughs> Over 400 yeah. with like salary, bonuses. Super impressive. Not only that, but all, evidently stock options, or not stock options, but like stock, what was Stock it? grants. Grants, yeah. essentially, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this article in the New York Times was highlighting something actually that I was reading about um, in Sam Walton's autobiography, Made in America. Man, I'm reading that right now, almost done with it. Really interesting book. But that he, for so many years, incentivized his employees to invest in Walmart stock. And uh, Be- before, you, before you keep going, it's, it's really called Made in America. It's made really called America. Made in America. It, and Isn't actually, that so ironic? It, well, the, actually, the Sony Sony CEO wrote one called Made in Japan, and I think he riffed on that. So, well, like that's accurate yeah. at least because I mean, come on, well, are, so Sam Walton's are, are most of the things that they sell at Walmart made in oh, America? That's a good point. Come on, no, but they're, 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 he was he was made I, in America. I get that, but simultaneously, like when you see that, it's like made in China. Isn't that like that's the default true. thing that think that's the f- default thing that I think of when I hear? It probably wasn't when it came out like <laughs> twenty five years ago or something. Like I, that, maybe but, not. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> but some of his associates, he documents in this in his book, who worked at Walmart for decades, they ended up becoming millionaires, not necessarily because of the wages they earned, but because they put their money that they were earning into buying shares of Walmart stock. I love that. And it was kind of cool to see, oh, hey, I was there for 20 or 25 years, and guess what? I'm retiring with over a million bucks. Not that we would encourage people to invest in company stock, uh, uh, the stock of the company they work for, but still, just really interesting. And and some of those policies were reduced in scale or done away with over the years, but they're making a comeback at Walmart. And so wages uh, in general are going up, like we just talked about with teens, at the lower end of the pay scale. Um, but yeah, Walmart announced stock grants for store managers this week. They're making a comeback. And Sam's philosophy, Matt, it really it really grew over the years, and he kind of realized the, the, the need to treat your employees well so that they'll treat their customers well. I think when he first started off, he didn't really understand that, and it, it negatively impacted his business. But as he understood that and started to treat his employees uh, better, that that helped to improve the company. And this incentive, I think, is is Walmart putting their money where their mouth is. Totally. Yeah. And so you mentioned uh, single stock investing, basically, or investing with maybe the company that also em- employees. So it's worth <laughs> kind of tackling the other side of the coin, I guess, about whether or not an employee should want to own significant amounts of stock uh, of their employer. And you know, to not have too many of their eggs in one basket, the answer is no. But we're kind of focusing on the positive here. Like, this is a first order question, right? Like, what would you do otherwise with the money if you weren't going to invest it yeah. at all? If the answer is just consume it, well, then shoot. Investing is going to be when the majority of Americans are under saving and investing for their retirement. The answer here is a slam dunk. Yes, go ahead and invest those dollars. Yeah. But if you're looking to, to truly optimize what you do, because a lot of times those stocks are offered via an ESPP, is mm-hmm. that employee stock purchase plan? And a lot of times you, those stocks are offered at a discount, That's baby. Right. So here's what you do. like a 10 or 15% discount. Yes. So what you do, you take advantage of those stocks being on sale. You hang on to them for as long as you need to, like three months, six months, yep. uh, that kind of thing. Then you go ahead and sell it and go ahead and invest instead in uh, a 
total stock market index fund or the S&P 500 index. He's that way advantage. you're fully diversified. Yep. Taking advantage of that sale. Exactly. That's basically what you're, what you're getting here. Exactly. But yeah. I think like what, what this makes me think of, though, is that Walmart wants its employees and managers to feel like owners. And I'm not, by the way, trying to make Walmart out to be some sort of exemplary organization. Uh, it's an interesting book, and I think Walmart's an interesting company, but it also, I think rightly so, gets its fair share of enemy fire. Like Walmart's not a perfect company, and they've had issues over the years, especially in recent years. But I, I like that they're trying to incentivize their employees to have a stake in the success of the company. And it really goes a long way for, for the employees and their finances, but also for their mindset and their relationship with their employer. Mm-hmm. And this is just, uh, I think, something that anybody who employs other people can learn from. How do you help your employees have a stake in the success of the company, uh, a way that they benefit when you benefit, that's just a, a helpful way to keep people engaged and to keep talent around long term. That's right, man. I love it. Sweet. All right. We hope everyone has a great weekend. That's going to be it for this Friday flight. We'll see you back here on Monday. We're going to answer some more listener questions like we do. If you haven't left us a review, by the way, head over to Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. We'd oh, question for love you. to see more of those. Do you think Taylor is going to be able to get back from Japan in time for the Super Bowl uh, a week from this Sunday? Wait, what? Why is she, she in Japan? I think she's got a, a tour or something. I don't know. I don't really care about that stuff. So you obviously even, do, Joel. I don't know why I even asked it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Is it we were talking about Made in Japan earlier? And yeah, yeah. If you're thinking about the weekend, it just football, that kind of stuff. Sorry, yeah. No, no football this weekend. Wait for the okay. following weekend. But uh, all right, that's gonna do it. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the, the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today.